0: Welcome to Code Grey, an episode-by-episode retrospective of the Shonda Rhimes show, Grey's Anatomy. I'm Megan Totsky.
1: And I'm Teresa Rosato.
0: And each week we review an episode's characters, themes, song choices, deaths, and so much more. And we are starting from the very beginning. (laughs)
1: Okay, so here we are, episode eight, for the first time. We've never talked about it before. (laughs) This is not the second time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so we didn't redo the intro no,
0: at all. We didn't. we didn't. There were no family <laughs> arguments. Everything's great. <laughs> Season really 1 happy. episode 8 Save Me. It's um we were just talking about. It. It's a really great episode. We both really really love this episode. Um the patients as people are super interesting. The doctors are going through some stuff um as per usual, but uh it was a great episode. I'm excited to talk about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, same. So, I think that I have to do the uh Yeah. Yeah, we had a deal. <laughs> and I just did it and it was really good. So now well, I have to do it again. Don't fuck this up. Great. Thanks. Thank you Three, so much. Two. One. Go. All right. So, in this episode, Save Me, we're dealing with a couple of uh, great patients. The first is a psychic who is also epileptic and <laughs> he's being taken care of by <laughs> Izzy Stevens. We've got an Orthodox Jew named Devo um, who's being seen to by Alex. Um, Meredith is starting to have questions about Derek, perfectly reasonable. Yang is looking to terminate her pregnancy. And George finally does something right after doing it really wrong. Stop. That was great. That was really good. That was great. That was really good. You're
0: even you're like even keel is really admirable, just, you know? Yes. <laughs> Thank you so
1: much. You're welcome. It comes from the heart. Okay. <laughs> it's shocking given the amount of caffeine I've had already this morning. So um let's let's dive in. So we said yeah. You know, that we both really love this episode. As soon as it started, we were psyched about it. As soon as you see Izzy making cupcakes, it was like, ah, it's the psychic dude. This is great. Yeah. 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 It's a great. Ugh, it's so good. Um, do we want to talk
0: about that first moment in, their, in the house? That's kind of a nice... I like what you said about sort of the intimacy of that moment yeah. when they're all sort of waking up. Yeah,
1: it's super cute because it's the roommates, you know, it's Meredith and George and Izzy, but Derek is with them as well. And he's apparently been um, staying at the house for a week and doesn't, doesn't realize he's been there that long. And um, he he's like puttering around the kitchen, and he finds you know the bowl and the the muesli and everything he needs in like thirty seconds flat, <laughs> because <laughs> it's pretty much his home at this point. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's very sweet, and and the interns are kind of you know gently teasing him about how how much he's around.
0: Yeah. And it's also when Meredith starts um and we can get more into this later I suppose. But Meredith um is trying to get information out of Derek. Um she's trying to like get to know him essentially, trying to get basic facts about him. Why don't we ever stay at your house? You know, where where did you grow up? Tell me about your family. What's your favorite ice cream flavor? Different things like that. And he's being like super shady about all
1: of it. Yeah. Yeah. And and,
0: <laughs> and won't answer any of her questions. Um and I, I think that he thinks he's being cute. Yes. And I think that women everywhere think that he's being creepy. <laughs> so let's go sleep at your house tonight. What? Yeah? I mean, why are we always sleeping at my
1: house? Do you even have one? One what? A house with a closet with your stuff in it, your personal stuff. Do you even have one of those?
0: You know, like, it's really hard for me to see the charm in that. Like, I think that... um, we we see sort of the first cracks in his veneer um and you really do feel like he's hiding something in those moments which i think is intentional um um you know the writer's part but i don't like it
1: yeah yeah i think so too um it's it, it's definitely uncomfortable like what is this dude what is this dude hiding you know <laughs> yeah 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 And
0: it's, I I don't know. I don't, I don't like it. And then it it goes on throughout the entire episode. He, she keeps asking him and keeps asking him. And he has the audacity later in the episode, um, to say some, some people would call this a relationship. You know, some people would call this a relationship. Time where you exchange keys, leave your toothbrush over. Who? Who would call it that?
1: Me. I would and I'm supposed to believe you. Show me something. Give me a reason to
0: believe. And I just want to say to him, like, you're keeping secrets about your life from her and intentionally not telling her where you live or where you grew up. And still have the, like, audacity to say, well, I think we're, I think we're in an exclusive relationship. Um,
1: in a way that I just is, like, I, I, <laughs> it makes me crazy. Yeah, I think, um, sorry, I was fiddling with my tech here. Um, Yeah, I think it's, it's, you mentioned that it's, he's kind of like gaslighting her. Yeah, he totally is gaslighting her. (laughs) Exactly. He's, I mean,
0: she's asking perfectly reasonable questions. And he's like, what do you mean? Why do you need to know that? Like, at one point, he's like, you know, like, lighten up. (laughs) And it's, she's like, I, I just want to know where your house is. What zip code do you live in? You know? Are
1: you... (laughs) I just I'm can't. asking if you live in your car. I just need to right. know. And he's like, "God, why are you always pressuring me? <laughs> Stop <laughs> nagging!" <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh God, it makes me crazy. Yeah, it's it's kind of the first time in the show that I start having like deep questions about Derek. <laughs> yeah, and it's totally yeah. because of how tight-lipped he is in regards to, as you said. Meredith's completely reasonable questions to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like it. Yeah, it just it just gives me a really weird, uncomfortable
0: feeling. Yeah, truly. Um so then they all they all go into work and they go their separate ways. We meet our we meet our patients. Um and the first one that we meet is uh, a young woman named Devo, but she <laughs> prefers to go by Esther. I totally
1: <laughs> forgot that her god given name is Devo, I know. <laughs> and that she just goes by Esther because of she course just... she's incredibly embarrassed about being named Devo right. <laughs> um and and she says early on a
0: great moment where she pulls back her blanket, she's lying in the hospital bed, and she pulls back her blanket, and she's wearing a ankle length denim skirt. <laughs> yeah she is.
1: That's awesome. It's so wonderful. She also like, And Alex just goes <laughs> He has one of my favorite lines of this episode. He just goes My skirt, Esther. What are you, Amish? <laughs> oh, Dude, she's such a dick. <laughs>
0: And I also appreciate this actress because you have a hard time telling if she's sixteen or forty six yes. you know by looking at her face and style, she has this like, very old look about her, and it's I just think she's perfectly cast for this role, yeah, um, but then her
1: voice is like this pinched kind of baby voice, which is yeah. just the actress's voice, but right, right, you right. can't quite tell her age she's ageless she really is <laughs>
0: um and she's a she's a bitch yeah. <laughs> she's She's a
1: real bitch. She's like honest. an orthodox spitfire. Shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, she is. I I like the point that you make so she's working with Dr. Krav or Dr. Krev is working with her, I should say. And um she has what did you say um what is the disorder she actually has?
1: Oh, it's called von Willebrand disease.
0: Yeah. Um, not which is sort of like an offshoot of hemophilia. Oh, okay. So oh, that's right because she excessive bleeding after a, a root canal yeah. that she has, right? Yeah so, um, she needs a new valve on her heart, and traditionally you get a a what's the what's the word for a pig poor sign poor sign thank you porcine <laughs> valve for this particular you know to uh for this procedure, and she's of course an orthodox Jew, which means that she does not want a pig part in her. <laughs> parts right Um, but I love the point that you make so that she's working with Alex and I love the point you make that they are she is just as arrogant and bitchy as he is you know like I think she's actually in the running for the Karev of the Week because she's so she's so much like him. And I love it. I love that they're working together. I just think it's such a it's
1: a great dynamic. Yeah. I mean the way that she um she she demands things from her doctors is it's honestly kind of refreshing, <laughs> even yeah. if it's I'm sure really disconcerting for the actual physicians. But sure. she's like, No, I'm not gonna have a, a pig heart valve you're you're she has this great line where she's like you're the hotshot doctors you'll figure it out yeah
0: it's great (laughs) you're like
1: god damn Devo like mic drop
0: it's great (laughs) yeah she's really great and I think that um something else that I like about the the dynamic between the two of them is that she she sort of like brings out an interesting side of Karev, I think. Um, I think they, they're very similar, but they also are really good compliments to each other. She really challenges him. Like you were saying, um, it's also his first pediatric case that we've really seen him dig mm. into. Um, maybe the first one at all. Um, and we, this is, is certainly not a spoiler, but he goes on later to, to declare pedi- pediatrics as a specialty. Um, so it's interesting to have the, you know, the, the long game of the show be sort of revealed here in the early, early episodes. Um, and you sort of see him working with kids, and he gets like really intellectually fired up by this challenge of finding an alternative to the um porcine uh, valve, and he's like researching and his his execution is is not great in the end, but um, shocker yeah <laughs> but i i I love seeing him really engage with esther and um and the case and the medicine. I think that we sort of see a different side of him um and i and I really like that,
1: yeah. Yeah, when you called um, my attention to that, that this is Alex's first peds case, I just thought that was such a good catch, like such a good note, um, yeah. because it's also the first patient that we see him really excel at the the medicine involved with the case, yeah. um, which is so fitting, as you said later down the line. And it's just, it makes this episode and his interactions with Devo even more rewarding. Um, to think about sort of the long view of Grey's Anatomy.
0: Yeah. And I think also sort of um, the last few episodes, as we've talked about, he's been, he, he's got, you know, his masculinity, his hyper masculinity has so gotten in the way of him. And he's like, really not handling these cases of of men, you know, with whom he identifies well at all. And he really sort of shits the bed on several occasions <laughs> across several weeks of episodes. and And here he's with a a, a young woman who could not be more different from him, and he's thriving. You yeah, know? and I think that that's like a great. We can really sort of see the long game of him of him declaring Peds there. Yeah, of why that's such a good fit for him that his emotions are invested in the right ways, um, which is can be quite rare in the show, <laughs> at least in the in the early stages here as they're growing
1: out. Yeah, absolutely. So Karev eventually figures out um, he's doing a bunch of research. He makes um, some. Parallels between himself and Muhammad Ali, because of course <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he he comes up with the um, a bovine heart valve as an alternative, um, mm-hmm. so so they 'd be using a cow 's valve instead, um, which is genius it 's really, really great, but as yeah. you said, his delivery is. <laughs> Not so great, because rather than speaking with the attending on the case, Burke, um, he decides to just go ahead and talk to the patient and her family, saying, oh, I found this great alternative. This is going to be awesome. Trust me. (laughs) And as it turns out, that's a much more complicated surgery than the porcine valve. So Burke is rightfully and righteously pissed, (laughs)
0: Yeah, and proceeds to immediately kick him off yeah. the case, which is, I think, an excellent decision. Um, It's just a painful, it's a moment where I think that if if George had done that, we would be ripping George a new one right now, <laughs> because it is truly an idiotic decision, yeah. you know, like, it's a very George decision to just, like, do something and not, not really think about the consequences and just sort of, like, do something so medically that, you, you know... <laughs> You don't have to be a doctor to know that that was a horrible order of operations, <laughs> right? Um, exactly, because her parents, of course, immediately latch onto it because they are under the assumption that he has passed it through Burke and it's approved. You know, <laughs> like it's, it's just a, it's just such a cringe worthy moment of like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, you just did not think this through. Yeah, it's awful. Um, and then it's, <laughs> I love the the. This is a, a very sort of almost throwaway scene. Um, Burke kicks crev off the case and he's like feeling feelings you know Berg. and he goes and christina's like dealing with her own demons right now she's pregnant and she's you her know, demon
1: here being a here.
0: fetus but That's right. go on That's right um and so she's in the on- on-call room and he walks in and she and he clearly just wants to talk about his feelings with his girlfriend you know like and he doesn't he's not sure what to do about the case and he's sort of trying to tell christina and christina's like shut up like <laughs> your problem has a solution leave me the fuck alone in so many words um and it's a good moment because i think it's quite revealing about their relationship but ultimately looping back to karev it it burke um i think sort of excuse me sort of surprisingly um reaches back out to karev and says find the heart find her uh, she esther wants a rabbi to pray over her and, and sort of like challenges him you know shoves his own education back in his face and said you know this is a good idea. Your execution was bad, but like let's work through it and and you can scrub it in. Yeah. Which I thought was surprising. I don't I didn't remember that Burke eventually does that.
1: Yeah. Burke's kind of a softie ultimately. Yeah, he is. Um and I think it's also important to note that um at this point Christina has not told Burke about the pregnancy. So yeah. Burke doesn't really know why Yang is, is being even bitchier than she usually is.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Because she's kept that completely to herself. She hasn't told Meredith either. No one knows right. at this Nobody point knows. that she's pregnant.
0: Yeah. Um, the show we, let's talk about that for a second. The show actually opens or one of the first scenes is Christina at, uh, you know, I guess I assume is like some sort of clinic to schedule a DNC to, you know, have an abortion. And, this scene it it like makes my skin crawl watching this scene um because she's trying to schedule an abortion and this woman who works there um is essentially trying to talk her out of it in a way that like i have a i have a huge huge issue with um and i have an issue with it because it's like yang has is a physician she has made this decision for herself and she's getting you know going to the taking all the appropriate steps and this woman is says, you know, there's, there's other options, you know, adoption or you could keep the baby or, you know, she's, she's, she's talking a, a woman out of a decision that she's made. Yeah. And, it, and it just, it really, really kills me. I have a really, really hard time watching that particular scene. So I can really understand um, sort of the different layers of why Yang is so, so sour in
1: this episode. Yeah. And it brings up something that I think we're going to talk about in greater depth uh, later in the episode, but sort of this woman is trying to counsel Yang about her decision, um, and it sort of brings up the question of where the line is between providing adequate counsel to your patients so that they understand their choices and they understand what they're about to agree to or embark on, um, and when you're actively um, pushing a personal bias to make a choice for a patient. Um, yeah, And so this yeah. opening scene sets up what I think is sort of an ongoing conversation throughout the episode about yeah. where that line is. Um, and Yang crosses it, this episode. <laughs> um, she-, <laughs> she does. Um,
0: with, I didn't catch this woman's first name, did you, Mrs. Glass? I did, it's Zoe. Zoe Glass. Okay, yeah. so this is a woman who's 47 years old, Um and she comes in because she's having a, a biopsy on her breast. She has, um, it turns out, she has breast cancer, and she's also several weeks pregnant. Um, she's forty-seven years old, happily married, um, and and so she essentially either the breast cancer is quite um, advanced, and she has to immediately undergo radiation, chemotherapy, etc. Um, and in order to do that, they will have to um, terminate the pregnancy. And this is a woman who's forty-seven years old and has spent. You know, years and years trying to get pregnant and um, had all been given up when she sort of miraculously conceived um, in a scene that I agree was is <laughs> her description of the conception. Started... It's like listening to your mom talk about your conception. You know, it's like it's like truly horrible. And she's
1: telling the story to Yang and she's yes. like, and then there I was. Then there we were on the beach with a bottle oh my God, of red wine. talking about it. Stop. It's awful. <laughs> um, and
0: I think that it's uh, a. <laughs> I agree. I, I think that I mean this is there's a very obvious parallel to to Yang's um situation right now. A woman who wanted so badly to get pregnant, um, is finally pregnant and is so happy about it, and her husband is so happy about it, and and is you know being essentially forced to decide between her life and and her baby's life, um, and. Then Yang, of course, who is trying very hard to terminate her pregnancy and and is having a rough time with it, um, or scheduling it. So, I think that one thing that I do want to point out about this couple that I think is pretty interesting is that there's a lot of um intersectionality happening here. That I think the like representation of her story is really important. I don't think she's a particularly sim- uh, sympathetic character, and I, I I agree that I think that that might be a function of my age and place in the world. Um, I think that's something that that you were saying, but. I, they are a biracial couple and they're older and they're like dealing with cancer and, you know, an inability to get pregnant and trying to to deal with these sort of hotshot young doctors to to get them to explain their uh, or to understand their their perspective. Um, and I just think it's sort of an interesting that's a very Grey's Anatomy thing to do is to have this couple represent so many different kinds of um, of sort of hardships in their lives um and and sort of forcing them in your face to like deal with that right and it just like the resolution is not is there's no bow tied on this particular story um it's it's kind of a tough one to watch in that way yeah um yeah, but... and I
1: think it's the ambivalence um, with their storyline is also pretty genuine um, and well done. The the couple changes their minds um, on several occasions about whether to go forward with terminating the pregnancy um, or yeah. whether to keep the baby and then not, you know, undergo treatment for the breast cancer. Um, and that feels very true to life, that that's not a decision um, that someone is is – going to be able to make in just a, a quick consult with the doctor that it's something they're going to, that's going to haunt them. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, I, I hadn't thought about that. I think that that's really true. That sort of flip flopping on decisions. I think that's great. Um, or it's an important thing to talk about, um, in the show. I, I, I think that, um, Oh, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. So then we have Yang. Um, So eventually the couple decides to have the baby um, that, or to go, you know, go forward with the pregnancy. And, um, and this, you know, we assume that, that Zoe's going to die shortly after the baby is born. Um, And Yang has a huge issue with this um, because she, of course, sees the baby as a fetus and something that, you know, is, is more or less insignificant because that's how she's looking at her own situation. Um, and she has, does not hesitate at all to tell Zoe this, um, and really sort of goes out of her way to shove her own beliefs into her patients, into her patient's face. Um, and I, it's hard to watch. Yeah. It's, it's not, you know, I would say it's, it's similar to watching Karev go tell, um, Esther about the, the bovine heart, uh, heart valve that it's just like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, like you are so, so, so out of line here. Um and it's i don't know it's tough
1: yeah she definitely monologues um about you know how this woman is 47 she's you know not even going to be around that long to see her child grow up and and like <laughs> like this whole really horrible <laughs> um case that she makes to this woman that's pretty clearly her projecting her own feelings about the pregnancy she's dealing with Um, Yeah. And it's and it is cringeworthy. It's really difficult to watch, even while I more or less agree with everything that she's saying. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. It's just so not her place to be talking that way with her patient. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think that that's
0: it's another it's a it's a good example of, of Grey's Anatomy doing Grey's Anatomy. Right. Of just like forcing these uncomfortable situations where like. Most people, I would venture to guess that many people do be- believe in what Yang is saying. You know, she her point is valid. And, you know, it wouldn't be Yang if it weren't. Um, <laughs> but they, they just like throw it in your face and you just have to sort of sit in it. Um, and then the, and then Zoe leaves, you know, she's her husband rolls her out in a wheelchair and she goes home. And that's like the that's all the resolution we sort of get with that particular case. Um, and and the same is true with Yang. You know, by the end of the episode, she is still pregnant. She is still not told anyone. And she is still just sort of sitting in this like mushy gray unknown area um, with no resolution. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, it's tough.
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so so then that brings us around. So the whole reason that Yang gets on this case in the first oh, yeah. place is because she's first assigned to a Mr. Duff. <laughs> um, who was originally in the psych ward, but he's sent down um onto the surgical wing, um, because it, it appears he's having some kind of seizure or, or something. Um, and he tells Yang that he wouldn't have taken her um for the mommy type and she's creeped out and <laughs> immediately begs off that service. <laughs> Um, so mr duff (laughs) mr duff (laughs) so first of all we're both like sort of awkwardly attracted to mr duff
0: (laughs) i wish i weren't
1: (laughs) like i have a very bizarre lady boner for this guy
0: (laughs) and i don't know i think that like he's super cocky and he's cocky there's a piece of him that's like cocky and attractive way. Mm-hmm. And then there's a piece of him that's like misogynistic and horrible toward women in a way that like I can't handle.
1: <laughs> right, right. Like um, every time he calls yeah. Izzy sweetheart, my mm-hmm. lady boner shrivels up. Dies. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> Um, but he's super, super intriguing. I think that he's he's like physically quite attractive, but his um his case is super intriguing, and his his reading of people, and his like really flirting with the line between appropriate and inappropriate behavior, um, and really sort of trying to convince you to believe in him. Um, I think is just I don't know. I just like him. I like yeah. the case. I like him. Um, I like the way that he kind of messes with the doctors who are so grounded in, um, medicine and logic. That I just I think it's just fascinating. I just love him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and his so his big deal is that you know, he's like I'm I'm telling you, I they're not seizures, like I have visions, like I can Yeah. I'm psychic. Um and there's we see for the first time um the actual doctor from psych, which oh yeah. He's kind of re, a recurring character, which is, is. really enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> he's uh Dr. Raj. <laughs> and it's kind of on this show the show sur- for years. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to point that out. And he's so bitchy and like the surgical <laughs> residents and the psych residents like hate each other apparently. I don't know if that's yeah. a real thing in hospitals but
0: <laughs> it's it's really an, like an enjoyable anecdote.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he describes um, Yang's education as um, a correspondence course, <laughs> and Yang is like, "Oh, you Stanford? You mean that correspondence school?"
0: <laughs> it's great. I just, oh, it's wonderful. Um, so Yang asks for off of this case. Um, she gets put on Zoe's case, and Izzy. Proclaims that she she knows how to deal with this type of guy, you know she she's seen him, you know there are a dime a dozen where she's from or something to that effect, and
1: so she volunteers and to go. Wait, where's Izzy is, is from again? Where's she from? <laughs> was, was, did she grow up in a was it in a, a trailer, trailer park? park. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a trailer park. I'd never heard that before. This episode. <laughs> <laughs> are you being facetious. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: She grew up in a trailer park.
1: <laughs> she With a lot of psychics around. That's right. I don't... <laughs> she was part of a traveling circus.
0: <laughs> that would be a great twist to her so would. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so she's, she's like all about it. She's like calling bullshit before she even meets him. And of course, he um he can he knows things about her too. He calls her by her childhood nickname, Cricket. Um, Cricket. <laughs> yep. Um, and and she's just writing him off. Um, and it's fun to watch them interact. You know, I think it's it's similar to the dynamic between Esther and Karev, where they have like a similarity to them, and but they complement each other in some like kind of gritty ways that I really like. And I think that that's true for um for Mr. Duff and, and Izzy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they have a bunch of really nice moments. Um yeah. and particularly when he's about to go in um to surgery um and he's he's genuinely scared and he sort of loses his psychic facade for a moment. Um and and sort of asks Izzy, you know, am am I still going to be able to see people this way? after this procedure, um, and she's like, you know, if you really don't think that there are seizures, then that's what you need to believe, and, and maybe that'll be the difference, um, which is a patently ridiculous thing to say, but... Right. <laughs> um, but a really nice moment between the two of them, a kind of moment of detente um, yeah. after they've been um, sort of battling the whole episode. Yeah,
0: they have like a bickery relation, like they're bickering. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's entertaining. <laughs> yeah,
1: and a little yeah. bit hot, honestly. So Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, they have kind of a, there's like a buzz to their dynamic that I like. That yeah. Print.
1: And part of it is Izzy's um, mommy issues, which come up this episode. So we yeah. start the episode with her making some cupcakes. And um, she she's dissatisfied with them because she thinks something's missing, but she can't remember what it is. Um, and George is really encouraging her to just call her mom for the missing ingredient. Um, but that's apparently not an option because of their relationship or, or whatever. Um, and, and at the end of the episode, um, after Mr. Duff's procedure, you know, he says, um, I forget what it is, coconut? Yeah, coconut extract. Yeah, coconut extract. He tells her like extract. the
0: you know a tablespoon of coconut extract. Yeah. Um, and I think that that was an important distinction from his other things that he's seen because it's it's very very specific. Yeah. Um, his other things are you know oh you were making cupcakes or oh you know like sort of things that he could maybe have figured out in some way shape or form. That's what Izzy was pointing out, and I think that add one tablespoon of coconut extract is like such a specific directive that that you kind of that's like when you kind of just got to believe him you know like you kind of just got to like drink his (laughs) kool-aid
1: yeah i mean honestly he had me ever since he said that someone was going to die on the fourth floor and then someone died on the fourth floor but i'm pretty easy that way so yeah
0: (laughs) yeah yeah. mr duff's a good he's great he's great um i want you to talk a little bit so those are our sort of three main storylines there's a couple um There's one that Derek and Meredith um, are dealing with as well. But those are sort of the three main ones. Do you want to talk a little bit about your, uh, like, beliefs thing? I think that this is, I think this is a super compelling uh, point about this particular episode.
1: Yeah, I was so pleased and proud that you found it compelling. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I, I really like this episode a lot. It's one of my favorites. I think the characters are so, so likable. Um, and and the medical cases are interesting and compelling, um, but I also kind of struggle because it's it's so thematically concerned with the unknown um, and the importance of of not knowing and trusting um, mm-hmm. even when we don't know. So faith, right? This episode's really about faith. Um, and so there are some really key examples, you know, Derek is asking Meredith to take him on faith. Um, Izzy is, is supposed to believe Mr. Duff that it's not seizures, there's something else going on, something supernatural with him. Derek's patient is slowly succumbing to full body paralysis and there doesn't seem to be anything physically or organically wrong with him. Um... And Derek believes there's something physically wrong with him anyway and decides to um, surgically intervene, um, even though Meredith thinks that's crazy. Um, Esther believes in this, you know, very much an interventionist God, right? Like having the organ blessed, et cetera. Um, And by the end of the episode, all of the believers are, are proven correct in their own ways. Um, and so for me, it's it's like the, the act of belief is privileged over sort of the scientific or medical sep- skepticism that um, some of our protagonists have displayed. Um, and it's just, it feels sort of out of place with the show so far. We don't really have a sense of any of these characters having a strong... Um, faith or, or feelings on faith, and it feels like a lot in one 50-minute period. Um, and I, I have a hard... It's a little bit problematic to me, I guess, because mm-hmm. it's so reliant on um, the unknown, whereas eight episodes in, we've had medical fact to back up all of the findings and all of the medical mysteries in the show and that is a lot more satisfying to me yeah
0: yeah I think that I I hear that and I do think that it it is a lot it's a lot of beliefs all at once and and that they're all right at the end is sort of like makes me a little mad yeah. <laughs> you know it's a little bit like sh- shut up science couldn't know? have like one victory one, right exactly exactly but I think that um Maybe the reason for that is it's a little bit like Shonda saying "This is what you 're going to get you know like this is this show is 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 about medicine but it's it 's mostly about people um right. and their abundance of flaws um <laughs> if you want to look at beliefs as flaws which i sometimes <laughs> inclined to do um but but sort of like the the idiosyncrasies that people have um and and that they you know people are so much more than than a set of like muscles and bones and organs um as I think that yang at her most extreme likes to believe um and so I think that it's it's sort of it's sort of the show challenging us to like rethink the way that we look at medicine in a way that's mm-hmm. like very uncomfortable, and I think that that discomfort's really intentional yeah. um and so I don't know I, I I like that i think it's a I think it's a super valid point um and I think that it's it's it is uncomfortable on purpose,
1: yeah, and I think it's something. That the show certainly continues to concern itself, um, concern itself with throughout the rest of its run. Um, But I think in other episodes and other seasons and story arcs, there's a little bit more of a balance than what Mm. we got this episode. Mm -hmm. So this episode. You're just kind of left with like, well, there must be something higher because of how all of these cases turned out. And I think in later episodes, you have a little bit more of a give and take between perspectives on faith and um, the role of faith in, you know, ethical medical care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And so... We can kind of seg into the medical fact of the week, if you want it. It's it's not so much about medicine as it is about the practitioners of medicine, but I was really intrigued by, um, so I don't think it's much of a spoiler to say that later on we find um, Dr. Burke particularly um, is a spiritual man, and that becomes um, a a little bit of a character development, um, I think, in season two. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I was sort of thinking ahead to how the show handles um, physicians and their belief systems. And so I straight up Googled what percentage of surgeons believe in God. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I ended up with a study um, from 2005. Um, It's uh, from the Journal of General Internal Medicine. It's called Religious Characteristics in U.S. Physicians, if you want to check it out. Um, But basically the authors of the study mailed um, a stratified random sample. (laughs) Um, uh, They mailed a survey to 2,000 practicing U.S. physicians and then compared that data from um, information from the 1998 census um, or Mm -hmm. from the 1998 general social survey, which I guess is not the census. (laughs) And and so anyway, this this survey um, found that nationwide, seventy six percent of physicians believe in God, and fifty nine percent believe in an afterlife, um, which was kind of a surprising number for me.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm. I'm curious because I'm I'm looking at those numbers and I don't know. Uh, what is your instinct? Does that tell you? Is that high or low for you?
1: It's high. It's yeah. high for me. But I. I tried to find numbers for more recent cases, um, or more recent surveys, and sure. that number remains high. Really? And higher than the general population average. What? Yes. Um, and what's interesting is there's definitely, like, a science and medicine divide. So scientists are less likely than the general population to believe in a higher power. Um, and physicians are more likely than the general population to leave in a, to believe in a higher power. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) I wonder why that is,
0: you know, like if it's, if it's just the part of me thinks that if if you work in medicine, it's out of necessity, right. That you see so much sadness that you have to believe in something more, or you have so many things that you don't know or don't understand that you have to believe in more versus science is maybe more rooted in, no, we know there's nothing more. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't know. That's completely just projection, obviously. But um, that's. I, I think it's particularly potent that it's higher than the than the average population.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, and 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 sort of considerably higher. Um, they also um, physicians are more likely to attend religious services than the U.S. population in general. Um, when? <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> When could they possibly have time for that? That makes me feel really bad when every Sunday I'm like, mm, that donut took me longer to eat than I thought, so I guess I can't make it to mass. That's
0: right. Ooh, I just opened a yogurt.
1: Yeah. Sorry, and God, that's going to take me a while to get through. Thank you for this yogurt, though. Maybe if it had been a yogurt. But yeah, so the survey found that 90% of doctors attend religious services, at least occasionally. Um... That I think that ninety percent must be ninety percent of the physicians who believe in God. I, that can't oh, be ninety yeah, percent of that all can't doctors. Be. No, <laughs> no, no. Um, and that's compared with eighty-one percent of adult Americans um, who say no. that they attend in religious services. Or, at least oh, okay, occasionally. That's yeah. fascinating. And so one of the um, one of the folks involved with the study, um, uh, Doctor Far Curlin. Um, he was actually the lead author of the study. Um, says, you know, the conventional wisdom has been that doctors are much less religious than their patients, right? Which is what we mm-hmm. assumed, um, but that people who combine an aptitude for science, an interest in religion, and an affinity for public service are particularly attracted to medicine. Um, so, so that could be part of why this number is so high. That if you already have an inclination. To a higher authority of some kind, you might already be more likely to pursue that type of career. Sure. In combination with with these other aptitudes. Wow. Yeah, that's super
0: interesting. Yeah, I it's thought also, that was just crazy. Yeah. Well, in July two thousand five. That's two thousand five is when this episode aired. Exactly. So it's, it's particularly topical.
1: Yeah, this was released. I think like. Two or three months after um this episode of Gray's. So I was just like, This is so apropos. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Good fact. Um, and then just another random um another random thing here is that um family physicians and pediatricians are more religious than doctors in other specialties, and psychiatry is among the most secular specialties. Huh. Um, yeah.
0: I guess that would i mean I guess that makes sense that the i don't know
1: yeah, it did kind of make i guess sense I don't that. know why <laughs> it just feels like it does, and it made me think of you know Dr. Raj um sending right. doc, uh, Mr. Death back to surgical just being like, he's your problem <laughs> right, 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 um,
0: and he was right, yeah
1: <laughs> by the way, great
0: cool thanks for uh thanks for researching that, yeah, for sure. Um, should we get into our, our other bits here? I think we should. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. We had a, a, a great um <laughs> song of the week. I think that you had had assumed that I was gonna go for the <laughs> Tegan and Sarah song. I gave up before
1: we even started. I was like,
0: Well, it's going to Tegan and Sarah, so God But that opening scene, there's a a song called David by Nellie McKay that, like, was my fucking jam from about 2005 to
1: 2008. I love that.
0: I loved Nellie McKay. She is, like, this kooky... Do you know have you ever heard of her? No. Oh my god. She is like this sassy. I don't even know how to like describe I almost want to describe her as like mean twee. <laughs> like oh I don't know. She kind of has this like twee poppy sound to her, but like <laughs> her lyrics are just like oftentimes just seething. That's fantastic. Um, I just really love her. Um and it's it's right at the very beginning and it's it's like this poppy song in the background of Meredith looking at Derek with like disdain. <laughs> And so I love the placement. I love Nellie McKay. I'm just so tickled. And maybe that's that could be when I like found her. I'm not sure. You know, she was uh, just love her. Yeah.
1: Love the song. Song of the week for me. Song of the week goes to Nellie McKay. I said (laughs) that the song of week went to Fix You Up by Tegan and Sarah. um, But I didn't have any particularly strong feelings about it. I will say that um, there's one song. I think it's by the band Seventy Eight Sobs. Seventy Eight
0: Sobs. No illusions. I thought yeah. that
1: that was Band of Horses. <laughs> Straight I, up, they sound like them. <laughs> and who has ever heard of Seventy Eight Sobs? Not me. Like, <laughs> I even wrote song of the week Band of Horses, and then I went back and looked at the wiki page and was like, Yeah. Oh shit, they were not involved. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they were even a band. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I also, I also had a note about that song. I really, really like that song. Um, probably cause they sound like band of horses. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think it's, it's again, like a well-placed song. Um, it's when people are sort of having those, those meaty belief conversations. Um, yeah. and I, I just, I liked
1: it. Yeah. It was a, it was a really good montage song, like a yeah. really solid yeah. montage song during some like pretty touching moments between characters. Um, you know, uh, interns with the patients, um, mm-hmm. the Mr. Duff and Izzy conversation um, about what will happen to his his gift um, yeah. happens with that song by 78 Sob, And it's just a it's really choice. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. How can
0: I see when I am blind to all the same old folks now? Should sure make it kinda tough. Not gonna make me change my ways. I've come too far for that now.
1: Oh, I can waste all day. Time of death.
0: Um our death tally this week. Um I had two. Yeah, Did and you, you were have... right. <laughs> So one being the fourth floor guy that yeah. Mr. Duff predicted. Rest in peace. Um, and then the presumptive death of Zoe Glass. Yeah, that's a real her. bummer. But yeah, <laughs> like I just think we kind of have to give it to her because she self-selected. Yeah, she did. So she really earned it. I think. <laughs> so, she a, so she earned
1: her place in the bits.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Chief resident.
1: Yeah, I think we agreed this is going to be a big surprise for our listeners. I, I think it goes to Karev. Ding, ding, um, ding. Yeah. Way to go, buddy.
0: Yeah. Um, this is his first, like, really successful week. Um, and again, all the things that we talked about before, he really digs into the medicine here. He's got a good relationship with his patient um, that does sort of flirt with the line between inappropriate and appropriate. But, like, she's really into it and he's into it. And he's, like, makes this great medical discovery, which ultimately I think earns him the the chief resident Um as he he does he just kind of crushes his his job i mean he has a not without some some hiccups but <laughs> ultimately looking looking at our cast of characters. Um, karev is the chief
1: resident yeah and beyond the medicine he's got so many quips this week and like almost straight up dad jokes like like at one point devo is saying prayers um and it's when karev walks in to to give the news about the bovine thing and devo you know like bows three times um in in whichever direction she's facing and (laughs) <laughs> Alex is standing at the back of the room with the with the patient's parents and he just goes Does the wall ever bow back? <laughs> and he says it like he's in a stand up like, am I right? You hear me? <laughs> <laughs> he has so many of those yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, he's a delight to watch this week He's really funny <laughs> he's, Yeah, yeah. he kind of We see the first glimpse of a Karev that I actually like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly
1: 007 007, yep. 007.
0: You know, it's George. It's It's George. It's George again. We didn't talk about George. I think partially because we are just like a little fed up with him. Yeah, this was a Um, good episode, and we didn't want to ruin it for ourselves. That's right. That's right. Um, George fails to intubate somebody. um, Which I I was watching the show, and and he is trying to intubate a patient, of course, that needs to be intubated. Crevice standing there, and he intubates his esophagus. (laughs) So, George, like, first of all, how do you not know to do that? He, like, has some idiotic ex- excuse of that he's, he, like, can't get his bearings or something like that.
1: He says, he says out loud, after he confuses, you know, an esophagus for a trachea. he goes, man, the anatomy is all messed up in here. <laughs> what the fuck, George? It's not an alien carcass. it's
0: awful to watch it's it's so 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 uncomfortable and then I proceeded to continue to watch this episode and it's not until about 30 minutes in that we maybe even more maybe even 35 (laughs) minutes in that we actually see George do something else related to medicine Um, I think that a theme that I'm noticing at least in myself in the way that I watch this character is that he doesn't like we we've recognized that he's a bad doctor, but he doesn't even do anything doctor related anymore. Yeah, <laughs> um, and it's like that's I think that's why I'm so often struck with the feeling of like what the fuck are you doing, George? You know, <laughs> is because he's never doing anything related to to, to medicine. No, it's <laughs> it's awful to watch.
1: It's like he's so- an entirely different program than the yes. rest of the interns
0: and like a society reentry program or something <laughs> like that
1: truly it's it's not good um I will also say on a 007 note that it's it's difficult for me because so Meredith um actively sort of uh, fights Derek on doing this surgical intervention for a patient who doesn't appear to have anything physically wrong with him. Mm-hmm. And it's not that Derek is gaslighting her about this as well. Right. <laughs> but it's like, because he ends up being right that there's a blood clot in the guy's um, spinal cord or spinal fluid or something, um, it's like it, it it's supposed to validate all of his other bullshit this episode. And so we end the episode with Meredith really questioning herself. Um, and like, well, maybe I should be giving these super questionable things more of the benefit of the doubt. And that's annoying. And I reject it because Derek just got fucking lucky. (laughs) Exactly.
0: I, I am like deeply uncomfortable with his exploratory surgery in this, in this episode. Um, and I understand that that's part of medicine, but for some reason I am so much more uncomfortable with exploratory surgery on the brain or spinal cord yeah. than oh, I am yeah. with like a exploratory laparotomy. Yeah. Um. I it's it's I just have a really hard time having, and I think it's partially because Derek has really planted some seeds of doubt in us in this episode, and so I have a hard time trusting him as a doctor in this situation and trusting his his course of treatment here. Yeah. Um. And, and- I agree that it's like really really irritating that it's supposed to somehow validate his his shitty behavior through this episode and that's something i don't
1: like about about how this episode wraps up yeah and he's just he's so paternalistic about it and yeah at the end of the episode you know he goes through meredith had asked him a bunch of questions like what's your favorite color you know your favorite flavor ice cream whatever so at the end of the episode he takes her to the trailer on a plot of land (laughs) that he lives in um not shady at all um, and answers all of those questions. And then at the end of it, he goes, you know, oh and that's all you've earned for now. And I about threw a pillow at my television. It's... I just... I can't. That's all you've earned for now. Fuck you. Fuck you. It's... that line... What? I
0: I I can't I cannot believe that that line was even written into no. the show. It makes me so angry. I can't believe she didn't just immediately walk away. I, I know. Well... <laughs> This is over. Bye. <laughs> Done. <laughs> uh no, I think that's I think that's a really good point about him in this episode. He's um they're they're uh I don't know, just he, he's he's getting harder and harder to they they like really turned him on as a, such a, you know, attractive, charming character at the beginning and they're sort of pulling that away. Yeah. Um toward the end of this season. So. All right, so the, the um
1: the culprit yeah. of the week. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciated
0: both of our answers to this, <laughs> <laughs> so I think we should talk about both of them. Um, I I gave the creve of the week t- to Yang because she's kind of a dick in this episode. Um, she's granted is going through a lot in her personal life and and professional life, um, and those things are getting really blurred for her. But she really, you know, attacks uh, Zoe Glass inappropriately about her beliefs in a way that's like. Just dickish, yeah. You know, um. And so if if the crev of the week is, is somebody who's dickish, I think Yang was kind of a dick this week. <laughs> but I,
1: I also appreciate your answer. <laughs> yeah. So when you said Yang, I immediately was like, Oh shit, yeah, that's right. Yang was horrible. <laughs> um, but I had originally put um Devo slash Esther <laughs> for just being a queen bitch. <laughs> yeah,
0: she really was. Yeah. Yeah, and I will also say that, oh, one more thing I was going to say about the Yang thing is that um, Yang is also horrible to Burke, you know, when he wants yeah. to come in and talk about her, his feelings, um, and that's a very Karev thing to do in my mind, when, yeah. you know, Karev has had a couple of throwaway lines in, in past episodes of, of just not wanting to talk about anything mushy, um, and, and she just totally parrots him in that scene, Yeah. Um,
1: which I, I love, I think it's very <laughs> Karev, very Karev. When the women do it, we're like, that was awesome. Yeah. When, <laughs> when the men do it, we're like... We're like Burn them. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, and then um, and then line of the week. <laughs> line of the week. <laughs> There's there I, a lot. This is a,
0: this is a great week for throwaway lines. So good. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really wonderful. Um, one that I that I particularly like when when Yang is asking to be pulled from um, from the Mister Duff case, and she asks Bailey. She says, "Can I?" Can I get taken off the case? I you know, I can't just anywhere else is fine. And Bailey says, Ask me like nicely. And Yang responds with, No, this this is me doing nicely. <laughs> or this is me asking nicely yeah. or something like that. That's great. And it's great. Everybody's like, Oh yeah, it is.
1: In <laughs> her know, face
0: like... is <laughs> she plays it so perfectly. She looks oh so God. genuinely confused. Like she is just a fantastic <laughs> actress, but her facial expressions are second to none. Yeah. Um, they're just, just truly, truly wonderful. I read on the wiki page that this episode was actually submitted um, as part of her nomination for Best Supporting Actress. Yeah, which, um, which she won.
1: Yeah. She yeah. won the Emmy. Well, she won the Emmy in 2006.
0: Yeah. So. Um, and this was one of the episodes submitted for it, which I think yeah. is really great. I think that's cool, particularly because she doesn't have, you know, it's not like a particularly memorable In my mind, a memorable episode for her. Um, But when I look at it through that lens, I can really see that. Yeah. um, Which I like. Yeah. Other other good lines though.
1: Um, At one point, Yang (laughs) tells a a whining George. You know what? I'm gonna tell you something. Hey, George,
0: you need to get laid. See that nurse
1: over there? She's single.
0: She's got red
1: hair. Go ask her. Go buy her a latte and freshen up your gonad, please. Go buy a latte and freshen up your gonad. (laughs) Great. That's great. <laughs> um, you've got, of course, Karev's, like, fantastic burn of nice skirt, Esther, you know, what are you, Amish? <laughs> and I'll also point out that Esther slash Devo, pretty much every time she talks to Karev, she ends her statement with a brand new insult. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and those and she... are all excellent as well. <laughs> yeah, they're just fire. She's great. She's so, like an ice queen. She's a baller. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. So I think that is uh I think that's episode eight for us. We've got just one more. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. Next week is
0: gonna be the uh, season finale, and it's a good one. And it's a good one. Who's zooming? Who is awesome?
1: uh, You're gonna love it. I actually already had a friend text me and be like, "I can't wait until you get to the gonorrhea episode." (laughs) Yes. All right. Um,
0: well, tune in next week. We'll we'll dig into the finale and probably review season one a little bit. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening.